Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is the Wednesday edition of Hardwood Handicappers. The NBA postseason is underway. I call it the postseason specifically because, you know, we're in that nexus, right? The play-in doesn't count toward playoff stats, but the playoffs haven't exactly started yet. But we are after the regular season, so thus... We label it the postseason. Kelly Bidlin is alongside. What's up, man? What's going on? How the how the first day treat you? I, I, it was that was an exciting day. It was a good day of playing basketball. Hey, I think it's uh, it's great, man. It, it, it's the I know we're dancing around with the word play, but it feels like the playoffs started. I mean, the playoffs are here. Yeah. It, felt, it felt big last night. It had that feeling. Um, it is really weird with the stat stuff, like just that these stats like disappear. Like if right. you if you drop sixty eight in a game tonight, like it never happened two years from now. Yeah, just doesn't yet, like, count. Yeah, like us, like betters. You know what I mean? Like obviously, like you, all you keep seeing on Twitter and people talking about it's like, well, unders have hit a you know eleven to thirteen in the play in games, and you're like, oh, okay, so we're keeping track as betters, right. but but you know nobody's taking, keeping track awesome. of like regular NBA statistics. Got it? <laughs> yeah. I also I was laughing because somebody. Somebody, I can't remember what the the betting stat was. I think it was like the seven seeds, right? But yeah. somebody phrased it as like in in the play in era, the seven seeds are like undefeated at home. Like so, like in four games. Yeah, like, yeah. What, yeah. Are we, what in are the we era doing? of what four years is that what we've been doing? Right. Because the, the is this the fourth year, right? Fourth year. I think that well, I think technically it's the fourth if you include whatever they did in the bubble. And all, I am. right. Yes. And because okay. I. Remind me if I think that's a good point. So it's probably only this is probably the third year of the official play. Correct. And also in the in the bubble, if I I, I think I have this right, they included more teams, right? Well, I, I don't even think they included more teams. I think the format was different, if I remember correctly, in the playoff bubble. Uh, regardless, the big difference is playing at home as opposed to in an empty vacuum stadium over there in Orlando. So that is really the the big difference. But. I, I, for some oh, reason, they, I, they had to finish out the they had to finish out the regular season. Yeah, they played eight games. I they forgot play, I remember about they, that. Yep, yeah. they played eight regular season. Because remember, the Suns went eight and zero. Yeah, and everybody yeah, yeah. was freaking out because it was like, oh my god, the Suns. And I actually, you know, it's funny now that we're talking about this. this I went is back so to bizarre. Now, yep. like thinking back to it. And oh, like, dude, like, it was it so feels, weird. It, there's part of me that feels like this was just yesterday, and part of me yep. that feels like this was 20 years ago. Right? Oh, dude, it's crazy. It, like, I think we made the joke like on one of the most recent episodes. Like, there are times where I'm just like. You know, like maybe like a week going back to like just being locked in my house and not being able to leave would be kind of cool. You know, like there was there was a certain peace that I had and just sitting at home and and having to do absolutely nothing except for start drinking at 10 a.m. Because why not? You're not going anywhere for like two months. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I always think about the errands, like the just the normal day to day BS errands that you have to run where you're like, oh, man, I need to go to the dry cleaner. Oh, dry cleaners closed. Been closed yep. for like a year. Can't do that. Oh. You know how many walks, uh, especially with somebody as a small child, like at that time, I, my, I only had my oldest. He was like two. You know how many walks we went on as a family? Like, I don't think I've ever gone on as many family walks. Walk, yeah. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, but that no, was great. It was great. And a lot of puzzles too. A lot of puzzles were done during the pandemic. I don't think alcohol and puzzle sales must have been like way up back oh, in 2020. God, yeah. Yeah. The booze business was booming. That's for sure. Absolutely Bo- booze, what, the dispensaries out here, man, those things yes. were like cash cows. Are you kidding That's me? Right. And nothing else to do. Uh, but we have playoff basketball now or postseason basketball. So we've got two games later tonight and we can start with, I think the more interesting one, sorry to Toronto and Chicago, but I like, that oh, one totally. is, I, I'm not looking forward to having to watch that thing. I will, but I'm not looking forward to it. I am looking forward to Thunder Pelicans. So let's start there because I was, I, we're looking at this now. And this number's pretty much five and a half across the board. We'll see if anything changes from there. But I, I am interested if this gets to six, you might get me in here on the Oklahoma City Ooh, Thunder. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if this number should be this high in favor of New Orleans, 
You, if you're the Thunder, do have some choices at your disposal to handle a Brandon Ingram. Lou Dort is a really good defender. Uh, will likely match up with him, so Dort should be able to handle that matchup against Brandon Ingram. You have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He'll be taking on Herb Jones, so that'll be a fun thing to watch, too. And they're a pretty good defensive team, Kelly. Like, I don't think we should sleep on it. Like, they're a top-12 defensive team, good half-court defense, yeah. uh, good transition defense. Thunder aren't terrible, so... Again, not a strong play. If it gets to six, that'll be my buy point. We'll see if we get there, but I actually didn't really have a lot on it. So I want to I want to flip that to the other side of the ball here. This is where it concerns me, and I like I'm not I'm not doing anything with this game tonight. Yeah. Um, I would actually at the opener of like four and a half. It was it was a pretty heavy lean to the Pelican side to me. Now where that kind of number sits at now, yeah, I really have no interest, and it was really only a lean before. Um, the other side of the ball is where it fascinates me a little bit more. Well, there's a couple big things, right? It's the it's how do the Thunder handle Valanciunas, and is it do they go so small that Valanciunas ends up getting forced off the court, or it, or and on the other side, how do the do the Pelicans decide to throw multiple guys at, at SGA, and it's just okay, we're gonna take SGA out of this game as, as best as we possibly can, mm-hmm. and whoever else beats us beats us. I, I I just can't imagine playing the Thunder and that not being your strategy at this point in the year defensively, right? Like it, yeah. it's just what this guy has done all year long, and especially getting to the free throw line, right? It's like don't let this guy get into the paint, drive and make contact. Like you gotta for, stay, force him to stay out on the perimeter somehow. And I know it's tough and easier said than done. He averaged, he averaged 33 points against them. Like he, yeah. he, was, he, he was pretty good. Yeah. No, I, I just, I think in, a one, in this one game, you know, win or go home, it's, I, I think you got to sell out more on that, on that side of things. Um, so I don't, I think there's some really, to me, I don't really have the answers that otherwise I'd be betting this, but I think there's some really intriguing matchups in this game. And that's why it's going to be fun to watch. Oh yeah. And I also, so part of the thing that I'm very, that has me leaning in the thunder direction and I have no, actually I do have some evidence to support this, but I think Mark Dagonold's like a really good coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I, I do think that finally now, right. High leverage basketball where there's going to be adjustments and, and schemes and what everything, you know, coach is going to have a little bit more impact on. I feel like we're finally going to be able to start to give Dagonold some credit because he's just been out there developing guys and they've been really competitive and he's shown he can be a good coach, but I'm really interested to see what Dagonold brings as a head coach now in like a high leverage playoff setting and what that's going to mean for Oklahoma city. Cause I just, I like him as a coach and I have a feeling yeah. that he's going to be awesome in these settings. And now we're finally going to get one with him, you know? Yeah. I, w- I would say for, I'm still getting a feel for him. So yes, these are the type of the type of games you want to see, right. You want to yeah. see those kind of guys in and, and, you know, coaches and players, right. So I, you know, just, if I, I'm talking about SGA. I think if you are, you know, Lou Dort, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy coming into this game, you've got to know, like this game probably rests on your shoulders as yeah. much, if not more than SGA. Cause you got to know those guys are going to probably do multiple things to give SGA different looks and get the ball out of his hands. And you got to make buckets. Like you got, you got to supply some scoring for this team. Yep. So the, uh, one of the things that, and I was looking around, I got to double check to see exactly what the number is for him. The, um, the other angle here, and I brought this up briefly when we talked in our Monday preview and that was podcasted as well. So if you haven't listened to that, you can go back and check that out too. Um, which was a player prop. Brandon Ingram assists was the Mm, one thing that potentially I had circled here. Ingram has been great since February 1st. He's been averaging six and a half assists per game. And by the way, the market's starting to show an adjustment there. His assist prop is set to seven and a half now over at DraftKings. Shaded to the under ever so slightly at about minus 125. But Ingram's been great. And if you look at his last 12 games, he's averaging just about eight and a half assists per game. He's been so freaking good facilitating. Dort's going to be on him. So I would assume he's going to get the ball out of his hands a little bit more often. Thunder aren't really a great off-ball defense either. If you look, and one of the indicators you can get in terms of off-ball defense is opponent assist rate, right? Because the guy with the ball is assisting on guys for to make shots. So thus, off-ball defense, an indicator that it's not really going to be that great. Ball movement's part of it, but off-ball defense is a really big part of it. Thunder very much in the bottom half, bottom fifth of the league, uh, bottom five, I should put it that way, in terms of opponent assist rate. So it shows you that off-ball defense has kind of been a little bit of an issue for them. So I wonder if Ingram's going to be able to go over that. I was hoping for six and a half on the assist prop. It's seven and a half now, so I have not bet it yet. But uh, Ingram over assist was something that I had circled from a, pr- a player prop standpoint. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... Uh... I think that the market's kind of caught up on it. I, I think you were all over that, you know, when you were you were tossing that out like a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
but yeah, I, I man, when some of these props start showing up on, like, did you, I'm like, like, did you catch how many people were on Sadiq Bay like over nine yeah. and a half points yesterday? Like, it got over like, the first quarter of the first half. Uh, I think it got over the first half, right? At the okay. End of Quarter. It just kind of cracks me up though. When we hit the. It's very clear that the NBA playoffs are here, and so many people that haven't really been paying to the paying attention to the NBA come back around. It's like, oh, I don't think it's coincidence that everybody ran, ended up on the same damn prop bet. Like, you get well, and that's why you. I will say this is this will be the, um, I guess the pompous part of this podcast. You get two waves, right? So you get post All Star break. Where all of a sudden, like NBA is just full of Twitter handicappers. Where you're like, "Oh wow, okay," but they're all handicapping the same thing, which is like, "These teams are tanking. Let's let's bet against them." Right. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's always the same thing. And then you get the playoff surge, where because there's really nothing else going on, all of a sudden you're like, "All right, let's go. We're we're betting this." I've known about Sadiq Bay the whole time, and it's right. like, all right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. It, was, it was Sadiq Bay. Oh uh, God, there was a couple, there was a couple yesterday, but I don't know. I just, I just found it humorous. How about Kyle like, Lowry, 30 plus points. How many people bet that? Yeah. That's I want to see that ticket. Yeah. Show me that ticket. Who had that good point, man. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I know we're not going to recap too much, but like we've been, we've been railing on this Miami heat team all like for pretty much the whole season. You got 33 points from Kyle Lowry and you lost that game. You I should will be say, embarrassed. That was so. If we're if we're going to kind of poke fun at people, and look, we're wrong too. So I'm not. This is not like coming from a place of I'm always right. Oh, I didn't but, bet it. Uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even right. bet it yesterday. But uh, but you did see a lot of like uh, coming out of nowhere, just like this Heat team's dangerous. This Heat team is you know going to shut down the Hawks. This Heat team, this, and it's like, have you been? You haven't been watching then, because like yeah, if, if you've yeah, watched them all season and you realize too, and like Zach Lowe made this point. Since they've changed their starting lineup, so like I've been pointing out, right? Since I don't know how long it's been now, but they've been 21st in defensive efficiency mm-hmm. for a while now. And one of the things is they've changed their starting lineup. And Zach Lowe point like really harped on this in his last podcast. Like think about it: Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Tyler Hero. They're all they're now all part of the starting lineup. It's a lot of weak spots that you can pick on if since you're opposing teams. Right? Yeah, there you go. Yep. yep. And so that team's worse defensively. They've been overvalued by the betting market like the whole entire year. And that was just such a good example of, again, you played Atlanta a month, not even a month ago, and you were three-point favorites at home. But the market's like, it's the playoffs. It's heat time, heat culture. And, like, here they are again. And they lose that game outright comfortably, might I add. Kyle Lowry did everything he could to get them back in that. But that was a comfortable loss for Miami and another reason why. uh, Just another overvalued team, man. But uh, you just you get a lot of people who come in last minute, and they're like, this team was the one seed. They were were shot away from the, you know, from the Eastern, from the NBA Finals. They, They should be better than this. I actually, I can't, I don't remember who somebody said like, Hey, the Hawks have been 500 since like November. This is ridiculous. Why? And it's like, yes, but since they last played, they both have identical records. Like they're mm-hmm. the same carbon copy of a team. It was crazy. And, and look, that, that's the, uh, I mean, if you're landing on this podcast for the first time, you're, uh, you're landing on two guys that have been very frustrated with the Hawks and the Heat all season oh, long for where, different reasons. What did I text you? Tell the people what I texted you yesterday. <laughs> Where's when they were this up Atlanta like, team bet all season? Because this is what we thought they were going to be. Yes. This is the team that I bet on to win the Southeast Division. Me like, too. they should be better than Miami. And they wait until game 83 to show up. Like, thanks <laughs> a lot, guys. And it's like it's like them flashing all their shiny toys too, right? It's like, oh, John Collins stepping up and hitting big shots. Like, there's Clint Capella dominating the boards. There's Trey Young running everything. There's Sadiq Bay coming off the bench and supplying big points. You're like, where have you all been? Where right. have all of you been? What has been going on here? I will say, and, and I, what's I, going on with Trey Young, by the way? Because like, did you did you catch him like going off on some assistant? By like, no. the do you know who that is? No, no, no. I didn't. It's, all I saw was the so cutaway. He no, he's an assistant. He's Nate McMillan's son. Okay. How more? How awkward is that? How is that? So possible? he's yes, he's still on the staff. And so not only is that awkward because your your dad got fired, but now Trey Young's probably like, shut the hell up, dude! Like I got your Ooh, dad out of here. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, how is yeah, that possible? I don't. I it would I be such, know that last. It night. would be oh such God. an awkward situation. Like it's gotta be. It's gotta be so weird. But yeah, apparently that's Nate. McMillan. Son. And then, like, well, sorry, what is Nate McMillan's son saying to Trey Young then, right? That, that he thinks is e- that Trey's ever going to listen to him. Do right. you, like, to your point, right? It's like, why why would you even go try to get yourself in trouble? That's all that's going to happen. I also can't remember. Yeah, uh, uh, Jamel McMillan, I believe is his name. Yes, yeah. And um... that is insane. <laughs> that is insane. 
Like they it's caught so, the TNT cameras caught that at the perfect moment. Like Trey yep. is literally, I think he just hit a shot too, right? Like they hit a shot right. going to a timeout, and he's like, I'm like, why does Trey Young look in, like absolutely <laughs> furious on the sidelines right now? Can you imagine if he actually pulled what we just did? He's like, couldn't do it for my dad, huh? Like, <laughs> like probably just like hit him something with that, like right at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, that was a weird dynamic. When I so I it's obviously like I didn't know that right away. I didn't watch that and go, hey, that's Sam McMillan. So I saw it and then it was posted on Twitter like, hey, that's Jamel McMillan. And then you're like, really? That's such a weird dynamic. But I will should say we, should we be should we be fast forwarding this thinking though to Okay, stay with me here, because anybody listening to this podcast last week uh, would have caught the two of us stumbling over trying to figure out what the hell was going on with the Dallas Mavericks, because it was right when the news was coming down. And we were kind of zeroing in on, is this the Luka Doncic like FU game? Does this just turn into like Trey Young FU like Atlanta Hawks, the entire like playoffs that he's in here? So I want to save this. I I do want to, because as I told you before, We'll tease this to when we're going to talk about the Celtics Hawks series. I'm kind of in on Atlanta. Okay. I'm kind of feeling it. Okay. But can I also point out, and this wanted to be my last Hawks thing because we're, we're, we actually, we dovetailed nicely into this, but I did want to, we got to bring it back to New Orleans really quickly. Yeah, I am sorry. But, but no, you're fine. This <laughs> is what we do. This is what we do. It's my fault though. <laughs> but I, I will say that from a coaching standpoint, because this is what I wanted to get into, I do think you saw a little bit of Quinn Snyder in that win over Miami. I think like, so. there, like there were like little things here and there where like, so for example, you know, Trey Young never really got free in all of those other games against Miami. But what were you seeing? You were seeing like double slip screens so yeah. that defenders were having to drop back and Trey was actually getting a free run to like the middle of the paint so he could put up his floaters. Like you just, the offense just looked like just that much more smooth, Kelly. And I, and I, and I think you're finally starting to see Quinn Snyder, who's a really good coach, maybe put his fingerprints on it. So I think that, that, that expands as we talk about Boston, Atlanta coming up a little bit later, but I, I think you were fine. You were seeing a little bit of Quinn Snyder's fingerprints all over that team last night. And it was a really good win for Atlanta. We don't want to sell them short. Although thanks a lot for not showing up for the first 82 games. If I got burned last night, betting them plus five and they again did what they usually do. I was going to be very upset with myself, but they did not. So I mean, putting these, go this ahead. Is, I, just like real. And I know we're going to hit on him again, but this is like looking at the box score last night. It, like they had seven guys in double figures. Like this is the team that you should be able to get out of. This is why yep. we were so high on them preseason. Like they have, like you, sh- when you shorten the rotation to a playoff rotation, if they're going to go nine deep, like they did last night, which they probably will, I, I guess they would keep rolling that out. Yeah. You're going to go to that nine deep. Like those, like you got nine guys that they can, or either there for offense or defense. And, and like, they can be very good. They can. Oh, I, like the, I see that. I don't want to get bad. too excited. They can be, but like, like I, I got up out of my chair when Oyeko Okongwu went up and like swallowed Bam Adebayo. Yeah. Like yeah. he, like he looked like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like he looked like a giant, like, I don't even know what like cartoon anime reference you can make that like he just expanded in size and swallowed Bam Adebayo up on that block. Like no problem. The talent's immense. The talent is immense. All right. Speaking of immense, literally and figuratively, Zion Williamson. So tying this back to New Orleans Pelicans really quickly, we heard from Zion Williamson finally. And Zion Williamson, as we know, is not going to be available for the play-in round. And that would include you know today and, of course, if the Pelicans win and move on to the next play-in game. There is a small chance that he could be available for the first round, but we get this press conference from Zion Williamson, and it's like seven and a half minutes. And I would say go and, and listen and watch to anybody out there who has not watched it yet. It's an odd, odd press conference where Zion Williamson refers to himself in the third person many, many times. But the takeaway is that essentially he's not comfortable mentally and or physically yet. Here's Zion during this press conference talking about his mindset and what what exactly it might take for him to come back. Uh, if I feel like Zion, I'll be out there. Is it, is it kind of shocking that it's taken this long? Is that kind of shock you a little bit? Um... I wouldn't say shocking. I would just say uh, just the team and myself just being extra cautious so it doesn't happen again. What, what do you feel like you can do on the court right now? Uh, I, I pretty much do everything, but it's just a matter of the level that I was playing at before uh, my hamstring. And I'm just I'm just a competitor. I don't want to go out there and be in my own head and affect the team when I can just 
be on the sideline supporting them more. Because, you know, as I know myself. I, if I was to go out there, uh, I would be in my head. I would be in my head. Like, I would make, I would hesitate on certain moves, and that could affect the game. So that last part, I think, is the important part. I would hesitate on certain moves and affect the game. Yeah. So it sounds like he's not mentally comfortable pushing his hamstring, and I can kind of understand why, right? Because it's a soft tissue thing. He re-aggravated earlier in the year. But that's not what we're going to take away from this press conference, of course. Well, it's it's one of those. I'll just I'll just I'll better pitch it to you this way, JVT. Selfish or selfless comments from Zion Williamson. Both. <laughs> that's kind of how I feel too. <laughs> like it's just it's so like the, the third person thing doesn't help. It's kind of weird, um, and especially as I pointed out to you when we we're talking about this off here before you got started. One of the reporters kind of gives him an out and asks him, like, how do you feel like you? And he's like, oh, you know, Zion. So it's like, okay, whatever. I, I'm always very pro player. And so I, I always want to try to sift through and listen to, like, what yeah. they're actually saying. And so to your point, like, I think he's just coming out and saying, look, like, I'm just not comfortable pushing my body because it has been – I don't want to use the word fragile because it's got a negative connotation, but I'll use it for lack of a better term, fragile. And I, I want to be able to be there but also be there for a while. Right here for, you know, the antithesis of the Drake thing. Right. I'm here for a long time or a good yeah, time, a yeah. long time, whatever it is. Uh, he wants to be there for a long time. So I, I think that's the takeaway. But it's just such a weird thing to go about it with the way that he was speaking. And also for the Pelicans to put him out there like that. So like during okay. shoot around, just like, all right, hey, here's Zion, guys. And like, it was such a weird thing. OK, so here's my like I, I th- this has been I listened to that whole that whole uh, little group interview thing, uh, practice interview. By the way, d- nobody ever d- like this is for journalists out there. Interviews in gyms do not go well. Like when there's one guy, I don't care if he's 200 feet away, bouncing when he's dribbling a basketball. I love it, the it background. Dribbling. And picks right. like, it, right. so it's crazy. Um, at first, at first, I read into this. JVT is like. Is I think he's scared of getting the yips, like the mental yips when he's out there. Like, because he's saying he's 100% healthy. I think what he's literally saying is, okay, when he's got ball comes into him, he knows what his off-ball movement is, ball gets dumped dumped down low to him, he's about to go left, but he's got to see that guy out of the corner of his eye and spotted up in the corner, and he's worried about freezing in that moment and hurting the team in such an important area. I get that. And and that's what I first read into it. But here's my problem. If that's really what it is, then the Pelicans shouldn't be putting him in a spot to speak to speak like this, right? This is where right. because if he's telling if that's what he's telling the doctors, right? It's hey, I feel great. I feel a hundred percent. I just don't literally what it is is I we always we always hear these words from teams, and this this is where I feel like it should be applied of where this guy's ramping up. Right. Well, then he's still ramping up. If he's not there yet, he's not there. Like that. That's in. I think Zion Williamson. This is where it gets tricky. I would think Zion Williamson is selfish enough to know that this team is better when he's on the court. Like I don't. So I. That's what I like. I did. I. I have a problem today. I think with the Pelicans more than I do with anything Zion Williamson because he, if he's hundred percent healthy, you can't have him going into the microphone and saying things like this. Yeah. I don't think it's a good look. I don't, I don't think it's a good look for for him that we all have to like question about this, but then more for the team, right? Like, team, are you signing off on him going out there or not? Because it yeah. sounds like he's making it sound like they've basically signed off, but he's not there yet. And I don't think the Pelicans would agree with that right now. Yeah, and we all, it also comes on the heels of everything that's happened with Ben Simmons. So people are obviously immediately going to go to that comparison Right, which was, remember, at one point, Simmons said the same thing. I'm healthy, but I just, I'm not there mentally. And it led to a year off. And, you know, we know what happened from there. Eventually degraded into him being a third string center for the Brooklyn Nets and then being shut down for the year. And who knows what his future is. So, but I will also say, Vinan, before we move back to the the basketball betting stuff, as we're talking about this, enough with the using it as a, let's crap on the young, the, the young ball players thing. Like enough is enough. All right. There's plenty of guys who play through injury and play a lot of basketball and really enjoy it. Just because two of the bigger names and Ben Simmons and now Zion Williamson are expressing some concern about their mental state when it comes to playing basketball. That is their prerogative. They can do that. That does not mean that every youth 
out there is some soft-minded pansy. Like, shut up. Okay? Enough with that. Yeah. That's all. That's my two cents. It's my yeah, non-betting I, two cents. I hear you. I, I think that the thing that's the and, and I kind of I kind of hate when we just throw these 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 mass labels on some of these guys where it's like, oh, A.D. and Zion, like they're the same thing. They get hurt all the time and like they we'll just all group them together. Like the problem with Zion, I love him so much as a player. JVT. Like, I know I know pe- people continue to question him as a player. And that's the part where I, re- I really want him on the court so he can actually show people how good he if is. You, I like. Like people out there that are like, oh, he's a short center who doesn't really have a true position in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. never watched. If, no, if you're yeah, criticizing, exactly. if you, he is if, one of the best attackers of the rim in the game. Like it's it's Giannis, LeBron. Like as far as the force with which he can deliver going to the basket, Zion Williamson is one of the most unstoppable things in the game. And we we unfortunately have not gotten to see it enough. Maybe we'll see it in the first round. Who knows? Pelicans uh, are favored to win this game and we had an interesting rematch on the horizon if they do beat the Oklahoma City Thunder with the Minnesota Timberwolves. All right, we won't spend a lot of time on this one because it's a terrible and boring game. Did you have anything with Raptors, Bulls? Five and a half, the number for the Toronto Raptors. The total right now down to, t- I will say, I might get involved with this total. We're down to 212, 212 and a half. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. So I see a lot of this and and kind of bringing it a little full circle to what we talked about when it comes to at at the top of the pod. Kelly, I've seen a lot of people describe these games as little game sevens. And these ones, I think, do take on a little bit more of that, right? Because this is a 9-10 game in which if you lose, you go home. Mm -hmm. And I I think that maybe playing these under is the way to go, given that's probably what you'll get. I would stress going forward next year and the years beyond some thought the seven eight matchups would play out like that, and I don't think that's the case. This could. This is a little game seven, but two twelve, two twelve and a half is really, really low. It's really short. I, I we, we Drew Dinzik was on with us on a numbers game this morning. We were we were talking about it's it, basically exactly what you just said. We were talking about. It's like I, look, we know the unders have been hitting. We understand why the unders are hitting. But this is a really short total. Because we're talking about what, a five and a half point adjustment now from the opening totals. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, and I'm seeing two twelves out there. Like this is yep. incredible. Am I really seeing a two twelve and a two fifteen? No way. Middle it. Let's go. It's gotta be a stale number from Boyd that's up there. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, I that would be my my heaviest lean would be to the over. I uh, the side I think is really difficult here. Like this is I lean Raptors, but yes. I, I think they've got the defenders to shut down, right? The best people, the best, uh, the key pieces on the Bulls. And their offense the over the last 14 games has been awesome. Like, it yeah. has really come along strong, the the, uh, the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, the Bulls, the Bulls weren't as great the last, like, what, week or two? But, like, the last couple mm-hmm. of months, like, they were playing better basketball, too. So, I, I don't know. This is a game I kind of immediately was like, I don't really think I'm going to have any interest in, in betting this. It would be It would be lean to the Toronto side, but I'm not super confident in that. In yeah. Chicago, fourteen and nine. Uh, I think this this from the All Star break. Toronto, thirteen and ten. Like you're talking, and, and again, the defenses have been good. They have been good on both sides. I understand that the total's low. I just think, yeah, we're 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 at a point where that's it's hard to set much lower totals in the NBA than that, right? And yep. I, I, I'm with you. It would and, still be it would be a lean over. And don't forget too, for anybody out there, this will take on a NCAA tournament type vibe at the end these teams will foul to oh, the bitter yeah. end because yep. they want to, they want to stay alive. So that puts you in that position where at a super low total like that, you could just get burned on the free throw game near yeah, the end that, of the contest. That is one thing that you didn't see as much with like, I, I guess in both those games last, I guess in both those games, but Miami was the one that kind of, it stood out to me a little bit more where, where I, you know, the seven, eight games are different, right? Where, you know, you know, if you're the team leading, it's like, okay, let's get this done and move on. And if you're the team trailing, it's like, all right, like we, we got another shot at this, right? So, so that led me. So it's funny that you said that. So I texted Doug Kazarian yesterday as they were going into the fourth quarter and the Hawks were up, I think 13. Mm-hmm. And I just texted him and I was like, and I should have texted you this, but I forgot to. And I didn't want to retype it. So I was lazy. <laughs> I should have just, just copied and pasted it. Copy. Yeah, I, I know. Trust me. I thought about that. And I was like, I 10, like 20 minutes later, I was like, I should have texted Kelly this question. Uh, the co-host in which I, you know, have a podcast with. But my theory was, you know, in these fourth quarters of these seven, eight games, we have another year to test this theory. 
But like when Atlanta's up 13, I texted Doug. I was like, at what point do you actually come back in on Atlanta? Yeah, like screw, like, like not not Miami. Yeah. But like at one point, this game's going to be comfortable and the the Heat are going to go, all right, we got to get ready for Friday. And Miami's or and Atlanta's going to go, we cannot give this up because yeah, we need exactly. to move on. And sure enough, at that point, the in-game number was nine. And they covered that thing. I think they ended up winning by what thirteen, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I, think, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that is something for us to keep in mind for next year. And it's I, I know it's yeah. I I'm impressed with some of the NBA handicappers out there. Like I don't know about you, JVT, but I, there's there I don't have many notes dating back to last year's play-in games. Like I didn't save much stuff, but I clearly I need to because there are some trends I think growing here that we need to. Oh yeah be aware of obviously the unders we hit on already but i think what you're hitting on right now is it, it, it is big i think that's something you absolutely could lean into next year i think we saw it in both games last night right because even the lakers timberwolves right the timberwolves fouled at the end what yeah. was it twice in, at the that, end of, i thought i was gonna get time? i thought i was gonna get the cover because yeah. they were fouling to the bitter end I was laying six and laying seven with the luckiest yep. push ever on the lakers yeah i mean i, I, I ended up live and ended up being like a wash but like uh, still, yeah, I thought I thought it was going to get there, but still, they only fouled. It was only two fouls at the end, right? If yeah. I'm remembering that correctly, I think so you're right. Same kind of thing. Like you, okay, they didn't they didn't foul until they absolutely had to, right? Like like you're talking about that thinking changes if you're in elimination. You start thinking more NCAA, right? Like okay, we got to think multiple possessions out, not just to cut the last couple possessions and how this is going to play out. So. I'm with you, man. I think those are things we need to keep in mind for next year. All right, speaking of those Lakers, let's take a break. And on the other side, their series in the first round is set with the Memphis Grizzlies. The Hawks will take on the Boston Celtics. And I got to tell you, Kelly, I might be feeling me some underdogs in those two series. We'll talk about that on the other side. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on Hardwood Handicappers, you want to go West Coast or East Coast first? Which series do you want to go first? Well, you always say West is the best, so let's start Of course it is. Of course it is. As a West Coast (laughs) guy, West Coast, best coast. All right, Memphis Grizzlies, Los Angeles Lakers, series opener. And this is, I will, if I'm going to get crap for getting something completely wrong, I want credit for being completely right. When I was on with Gil, he asked me what the series price would be. I said, Grizzlies minus 120. And it sure enough, it opened minus 125. So I get something right, but I won't get credit for that because we never do. So minus 125 plus 105. Dude, I don't even remember you saying that. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's just my memory. (laughs) So you're not going to give me credit? I said, of course, I'm going to give it credit. I'm sure you're right. I'm not doubting you. I'll give you the date. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. I want to get your opinion on this first. So I wrote a big write-up. It's up on the website, up in our VSN playoff hub, as I have called it. So go check that up on the homepage. It's got all of our series previews, and it's got um, our play-in previews as well. The Eastern Conference preview has yet to come because I'm actually uh, going to re-watch Celtics-Hawks as I've been with all of these series. So I have yet to get to that, but I have thoughts on it anyway. But Grizzlies and Lakers, I want your thoughts first. First blush, minus 125 in favor of the Grizzlies. Kelly is leaning in one direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm leaning Lakers regardless in the in this series, but I thought this price was going to be better. I, I I thought it was going to be Grizzlies like minus one fifty one sixty. You were you were obviously dead on. Um, DraftKings right now minus one thirty. Grizzlies Lakers plus one ten. I so I I don't really know. I think I think it's just going to be a game by game thing for me at this point. I don't really have any interest in getting involved pre uh, before the series starts. I think I give a, I give a slight edge to the Lakers. I like them in the dog role here. I still think it's a lot to ask for uh, for this team. Um, 
I mean, you got four games that you're going to have to deal with in Memphis. Uh, man, I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a great series. I think the Lakers got a great chance of pulling out this upset. Steven Adams not going to be in there. I think we, we yep. talked about this a lot on the pod already. I think that's going to be an issue down, down low for Memphis uh, dealing with this Lakers team. We saw it last night kind of play out that same kind of way without without the presence presence of Gobert. I mean, the amount the amount of rebounds that Anthony Davis and LeBron, I think it was 15 and 10. I mean, 25 rebounds between the two of those guys. You're, if you're able to get that get those kind of rebounding numbers and attack the rim with those two types of players, I think this makes this team a lot more difficult to stop. Uh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. can only do so much. And I think, like you pointed out a lot during this year, I think he's just going to constantly be in foul trouble. He's a guy that the best defense he knows how to play is aggressive defense, and it leads him into foul trouble. I think we're going to see that a lot in a series like this when he's having to go up against guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James who are not only physical but very savvy offensive players that can lead him into some cheap fouls. So I think there's that. I think absolutely on the flip side, I don't think – I don't know that the Lakers have a per, the perfect answer for John, John Morant and some of the things that the Grizzlies can do offensively. Wouldn't surprise me if this is actually uh, a higher-scoring series than maybe most think but um that's all i got man that's all i got. I really think this is gonna be a good series i think it's gonna go six or seven games um and i like the lakers but not enough at this price yeah so i was to, to put some numbers behind what you're talking about here right when it comes to some of those points because everything you hit on is everything i wrote up uh when it came to the series preview so focusing on the front court first, because it's not just Steven Adams, but it's Brandon Clark, for those who don't remember right, either. Yeah. Brandon Clark, of course, with his torn Achilles. So that's two really good front court pieces that are not going to be available for them. Xavier Tillman has been starting at center. Xavier Tillman is 6'8", 225. So Xavier Tillman is not a true center. He's a small ball guy who's going to go play out on the perimeter. And like he's going to play on Jared Vanderbilt defensively. And he's just going to come crashing in and help contest shots and try to do stuff like that. But Dylan Brooks... Jaron Jackson Jr. are going to defend the two most important players that would be LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And that's why I put it on Twitter when I when I posted the article, Kelly. Like, everybody likes to focus on offense. Everybody's going to look at John Morant. If the Grizzlies are going to win this series, it's all on Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, there's yeah. so much pressure yeah. on Jaron Jackson Jr. And to your point, this season, Jaron Jackson Jr. has averaged 3.4 personal fouls per game. That's obviously not something that you want. You put yourself into foul trouble. You mess with your rotations. And it is your thinnest position now. Your right. front court, Correct. if you cannot play your normal amount of minutes, that means David Roddy, as much as I love the Mountain West, David Roddy, <laughs> Santi Aldama. Like these are two very undersized front court pieces, very underweighted front court pieces. They're going to have a lot of trouble if they have to defend more and play more down low against some of these guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And if you go back, Kelly, in the regular season, as I mentioned, 3.4 personal fouls per game for Jaron Jackson Jr. In four games, he averaged five personal fouls against the Lakers. He had so much trouble in these games, staying out of foul trouble. And again, that's an average of five personal yeah. fouls per game. Right, right. wild against the Los Angeles Lakers. And the other thing outside of just Jaron Jackson Jr., and this is something I've pointed out for, for those who, who do not know, the Lakers... They make 23 field goals, or yeah, free throws, I should say, every 100 shot attempts in the regular season. That is the third best mark or free throw rate in the NBA. With Jackson on the floor, opponents made 21.9 free throws every 100 field goal attempts. So you're going to put them on the line. It's exactly what the Lakers want to do. And that's why I keep going back to, if the Grizzlies are going to have success here, it's on Jaron Jackson Jr. to stay on the floor. The problem is, and why I lean so heavily toward the Lakers is, what evidence have we seen that Jaron Jackson Jr. is all of a sudden going to become, hey, I'm not going to foul at all anymore. Like, And that's just not the case. So I think that just specifically focusing on that, that is one of the biggest matchup things to watch. This is one of the best free throw teams in the NBA, getting to the line and hitting them. Dude, you saw in the fourth quarter against Minnesota. How yeah. many times? It was like three straight possessions where it was like LeBron James, bully to the paint, get to the free throw line. Dennis Schroeder, yep. rip through, get to the free throw line. Like there were so many times where they were just like picking away at that deficit because they were getting to the line. They're going to be able to do that here against Memphis. Yeah, I think that. So like this is where I, this is where I like the Lakers because I think they have I think they have the higher floor in of these two teams in this type of matchup because of what you're talking about. Right. Like there is yep. no there is no answer to that. 
Like their answer is what you're talking about. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. You have to play better and smarter. Like that, you know, like that's a tough thing to ask of someone. And by the so way, really like, quickly, not yeah. to cut you off, Kelly, yeah, but that also might take away with what he's best at. Like why he's such a good defender is because he's aggressive. He looks for blocks yes. and hunts and is a good rim protector. So like it's a balance of, yes, he puts himself in foul trouble, but that also leads to why he's such a good defender. So if he's trying really hard not to do that, well, then you also might lose some of your impact as a defensive He's not going to be as aggressive. He's not going right. to be as aggressive early, yes. And that's the best, the best defense he plays. The other thing I'll bring up is, look, Jared Jackson Jr.'s had some pretty damn good offensive games here recently, right? If he needs to be yep. focused so much more on what he's doing defensively, does that take away from what he's doing offensively? So I don't know. It's a very, this is a very interesting matchup to me. I can't wait to watch it. I think I'll be betting just Lakers, like Lakers games in different spots throughout the series. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's look, I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's, is so much on Jaron Jackson Jr. Because I don't think they can really stop that. Like even you're talking about, even if he stays out of foul trouble, is playing better, I still don't think they can really slow down LeBron and AD. So then it puts like Morant, Bain, Kennard, like you guys got to play out of this world. Like you have to carry this team offensively and you got you got to, you got to carry out the whole load basically. For them. And this leads to my other point, which is the other side of things. The Memphis Grizzlies, I think people would be surprised to learn that of the the 12 teams that made it into the top six of their respective conferences, the Grizzlies are last among those 12 in half-court offensive efficiency. They were 22nd this year in half-court offensive efficiency. And if your thought is, is like, hey, well, yeah, but there's a lot of noise there. They have John Morant. With John Morant on the floor, their half-court offensive rating improves by 0.1 points. So, like, it, they're a bad half-court offense. They're they're not good. And this is a Lakers team that since they revamped their lineup, as we have known, and you've heard ad nauseum, they lead the league in defensive rating over that time. They are the third-best half-court defense in the league over that time. I just I keep going back to, and I talked about this on a podcast that I did um, a couple of days ago for Bet Rivers uh, over there, which is handicapping the NBA postseason becomes so much more about matchups than it does about power ratings. And I just keep looking across the board and seeing matchup after matchup that it works in favor of the Los Angeles Lakers that I, I think that that's, I think it's, I think it's the matchup they wanted to be quite honest with you. I think mm-hmm. they wanted to take on the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think they wanted to deal with going to Denver and play the, the nuggets. And I just keep looking like, are there things the Grizzlies can do? Absolutely. They're a good defensive team. They have elite defensive talent. Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. are incredible on that end of the floor. And they're taking on a Lakers team that offensively is very hit or miss when it comes to their three-point shooting. Since over that time where they lead the league in defensive efficiency, they're 16th in offensive efficiency. They're in the 20s in half-court offensive efficiency. And they're only shooting 36% from three. And you saw how bad they were shooting yesterday against Minnesota. So it's like by far, this is not a perfect Lakers team. I just keep going down. If you're making like that pros and cons list, there's so many more pros in the favor of the Lakers than there are for the Grizzlies here. That That's why I think, Kelly, if you want to bet them plus 105 to win the series, I think that's the way to go. I actually was looking around. I'm looking to play Grizzly. I, I want to go alt a little bit. Minus one and a half games for the Lakers at about plus 170, I, I think Oof. is an interesting play to make, too. Okay. Yeah, I like I, I'll get a, little, like I'll get a little risque there. I, yeah. just, I think this matchup works really well for the Lakers. Okay. Yeah, I think I think series wise, I'm going to stay away if they drop that first game. I'll probably get involved then at a nice series price. I want to see. I kind of want to see it play out. Actually, as we're, as we're talking about this, I, I'm even just realizing even more how much I want to see it play out first before kind of getting involved because I think the, the you know, like let's let, let, you know let's compare it to the game we were talking about tonight, Thunder and Pelicans. I think there's a lot of interesting coaching decisions that need to be done in some of those matchups. For some of the things that we're talking about here with the Lakers Grizzlies, I don't know how much the Grizzlies can even do about it. You know, I mean, so I kind of, I kind of want to see what they come up with to try to slow down the front court success that the Lake. I think the Lakers are going to have, but man, I, I, I kind of think we're going to see in in game one that they don't really have the answers to to be able to slow that down. Yep. All right, so I think we we can save a good chunk of our analysis for Boston Atlanta for Friday because selfishly I'm still going through a lot of the stuff for the series and won't get started to the weekend. But your general thoughts, as uh, again, I'll reference my good buddy Doug Kazarian, who you know yesterday I was feeling myself. I'm just like you know bored and I want to fire it off a hot take. So the second <laughs> the Hawks won the game, I texted him, Hawks and six. 
<laughs> like it. Like to which I got a response, no way. So the, so this, this is the one I keep going back and forth with people. If you're the, okay, if you're the Bucks, or okay, if you're the Celtics, would you rather have played the Heat or the Hawks? The Heat. Okay, if you're the Bucks, would you rather have played the Heat or the Hawks? The Heat. because here's the thing for anybody who's like wondering what the because this is what you have to understand too the upside if the heat or the hawks go into a series and everything hits for them like you saw a you saw a small sample size of it against miami what happened in that game was the hawks played to their potential yes and that's that's part of the problem for them as an opponent because if trey young and dejounte murray and boyan mcdonovich and DeAndre Hunter and Onyeka Okongwu and Clint Capella, if they're all playing their best, that is a team that is a pain in the ass to deal with. They can rebound very well, they can score at a high level, and they have enough good defensive pieces to make your life difficult on the offensive end. And I do think, and again, I'm going to go rewatch, so this nothing is official here. But if you're just going like position to position, you're looking around, well, they've got the wing pieces to match up with the Boston Celtics. So at least put a DeAndre Hunter in front of a Jason Tatum to at least put a DeJounte Murray up against a Jalen Brown. Like they have a big that can go head to head on the boards with a Robert Williams or an Al Horford. They go deep enough where Nyeka Okongwu is a really dynamic defensive piece against some of those bench units. Like I just, I, I would not sleep on them at all. If you're thinking yeah. that the Celtics should go in there and roll to like a 4-0 series sweep, I do think that we have another thing coming. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Celtics win this series, but yes, I think it's probably. I think there's a better chance. Like, okay, let me, let me try to find. There's a better chance this goes seven than five. In right. My so to, to like that point, Kelly, you can get two and a half plus two and a half games at plus. Let me let me see because I texted this to Stephanie Kamershack, our resident Celtics fan. Um, plus <laughs> Hawks plus two and a half games at plus one thirty-five. Like that. Okay. Like to me. So again, am I betting the Celtic, the Hawks to win the series outright? No. But do I think that there's value in plus two and a half games at plus 135? I would say absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would too. So you're absolutely. essentially saying they're not going to lose in a sweep and they're not going to lose in five. Yep. Yeah. I think they probably, I think that is the most likely, I think the most likely series result is that the Celtics win this 4-2. <laughs> I think, oh. I, I think, I think the, I don't want to minimize the extreme talents that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and that is you're you're right at their best those guys can match up well with them can match up with them defensively but over the course of a seven game series i i do expect tatum and brown to kind of take over and wear these guys down but your overall point of the ceiling of the atlanta hawks we really haven't seen much at all this year this 500 basketball that we've seen it it's not what their true potential is is so much better than that and that is really like you you just laid it all out. I'm with you. Like I think this team could be a real pain in the ass for for the for the Celtics in at different positions, right? I, yeah. Like I think down low is maybe the most frustrating part. I think we're where that is a significant advantage for them with Robert Williams matched up against what the Heat do down low, where Robert Williams having to deal with someone just with the size that Clint Capella brings, I think makes things a lot more difficult. I have a small child pounding on my door demanding nap time. So I will wrap with this. Um, I, I, I will say too, and I'm going to have more on this by Friday. Cause again, I'm going to rewatch some of the games. I want to get a good sense of it. Remember that Boston is very reliant on their three point shooting, like really yeah. reliant yep. over 42% of their attempts come from three point range. And all it takes Kelly is like a three game cold stretch. And yeah. all of a sudden you're scuffling for offense because, and I got to look, you know what? Stay with me here. Cause I'm going to pull this up right now because one of the other, tr- one of the other troubling trends that has started to emerge for Boston. I don't know if you remember last year, one of the things that killed them was that in clutch time, they were terrible in games with five minutes, uh, five or fewer minutes within five points. Either way, they were one of the worst clutch teams in the NBA in the regular season. And that came out again in the postseason. And those things are starting to come out again here this season for the Boston Celtics. And that's just not something you want. And when you're getting into the postseason, they're better this year than they were a season ago, but you're starting to see it a little bit more for the Celtics. And I think that is something that might start to burn them in the postseason. They're so good. They're so good though. <laughs> so oh, they are. No, this is not like for me, you're just, you're kind of trying to find you're like, you're looking for different reasons. And here you go. Post all-star break, a negative 13.3 net rating in clutch time for the Boston Celtics. <sighs> 
man. I mean, and we saw, I mean, Tatum, Tatum was a nightmare in the finals last year with the turnovers. Yep. I mean, we all remember just, that. It was like five or six a game, it felt like, every game. Again, you twist my arm. I don't you didn't even have to twist it. I think that the, the most probable outcome is obviously the Celtics winning this series. But the way they get to that outcome, I think, is a lot tougher than people expect, and especially the market expects when they see minus 1,000. I'll have official, you know, thoughts on this on Friday, but I'm, as you can tell, heavily leaning in that direction, at least to have oh, a, a competitive series. It's going to be, it's going to be a hell of a series. I, I mean, it's, I'm trying to think if there is one that I will, no, I think it's going to be my favorite, at least in the East, it will be my favorite first round series. Oh, I'm so happy that it was going to be them. Like, cause it's just, it's just going to be so much more entertaining. Like that's Miami gonna be Boston more, was going to be terrible. Right. And that, that's going to be more entertaining than New York Cleveland like that might be a tighter series but i'm going to be far more entertained watching boston it's, atlanta it's going to be more aesthetically pleasing basketball <laughs> yes, for sure exactly 100 yeah. all right so again friday we will be back here on harvard handicappers and uh, we will be on monday through friday starting next week my plan was to do it this week but then tuesday i got done with everything and it was already like 145 and i was like "Ooh, we can't record a pot at this time so we'll have that monday through friday starting next week until then come back with us on friday we'll have more of a complete breakdown on what's going to happen for the celtics and hawks series as well as looking ahead to the weekend that will be as game ones begin on saturday it's hardwood handicappers like rate review subscribe we'll talk to you on friday beautiful at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.